Hey, it's Tony and Jenny Bruski from Real Ghost Stories Online. We absolutely love giving you the show every single day, Monday through Friday, for free. But uh, it's not free to produce. And if you'd like to keep the show on the air, we ask for your support and become an EPP. When you become an EPP, you get more than 23 bonus episodes of the show to listen to. These are exclusive episodes that are only available to our EPPs with some of the best stories we've ever gotten on them. Please help keep Real Ghost Stories online on the air. And become an EPP today, an extra podcast person, on the website realghoststoriesonline.com. It's only five bucks a month. You get all the extras and the knowledge that you're keeping this show going. Please, and thank you. Welcome to Real Ghost Stories Online. Call in your real ghost story now at 855-853-4802 or write in at realghoststoriesonline.com. You're about to enter the world of the unknown and quite possibly the undead. This is Real Ghost Stories Online. Today, a house sitter finds that she isn't the only one home. A little girl just wants to sleep in the middle one night, but the parents become alarmed when they realize their daughter is already in the middle. An unexpected visit from out-of-state relatives is all the more perplexing when the relatives are still at home. And while visiting a bed and breakfast, a little girl is excited to hear other children playing, but then she tries to join in on the fun. She realizes her new friends are invisible. Those stories... Your calls and more today on Real Ghost Stories Online. Tony and Jenny Bruski joining you once again. Hello. Interesting uh, stories, it looks like. Yeah. Some that uh, could almost fall into the astral projection area, possibly, or maybe not. I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe not. It just uh, confusing when, I guess, it more so uh, identity confusion, I guess, as far as who you think is with you. Well, it's one of those situations where you're half awake and you just assume the little girl in your bedroom is your daughter. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe not. <laughs> you you hope it is <laughs> yeah. anyway. Uh, sounds like some interesting stuff. Our phone number is 855-853-4802 uh, to uh, call in your Real Ghost Story to Real Ghost Stories Online. And of course, you can also write it on the website, realghoststoriesonline.com. We would love to hear from you. And of course, whatever platform you're listening to us on, please press subscribe, iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube. All that really helps us grow in the rankings. And uh, it also allows you to get the latest episodes sent directly to you as we release them. So it's a win-win for uh, for everybody. Let's kick off the show tonight with a letter from uh, Elise. Uh, Elise writes in, Hi, Tony and Jenny. This is Elise from Austin, Texas. Pronounced like E in the word lease. Ah! You got that one. I did it. I did it. I did it. I did it. And I have a story to share today. It's a little uh, off-season, but anyhow, here goes. My friend used to live in Wichita, Kansas while attending nursing school. I heard this is an interesting city. Yeah? Where'd you hear that from? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know. Uh, and uh, at the uh, time, had just broken up with her boyfriend in 10 years. Seeing as they shared an apartment, she decided to temporarily move in with her gay best friend, or GBF. I love all these like little initial, like, uh, what is that when you uh, have... Acronyms. Acronyms. That for was everything. the word we were, or the, the term we were trying to look for the other night. GBF? No, acronym. You were oh, like, acronym. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. You were asking me, and you put me on the spot, and I didn't know. There's so many of them now, and I'm so out of the loop. 
Yeah. Like when somebody says something, I, I'm just like so confused. <laughs> and it's like, I'm I'm in my early 30s. I should be more up on this maybe. I don't know. I don't really think I should be. I, I think there's like this huge generational gap of like five years where like people five years younger than us have this whole other language that they speak in. I know. I almost feel weird using that kind of terminology. It's like out of place. I'm, I'm like, mm, you know, sure. might as well be Betty White saying it. Yeah, I, know. I mean, and what's weird about any sort of acronym that especially it's used like in texting and such is like, I, I, I just what I'm shocked by is the generation gap being as small as it is. Like, I would get it if we're like 50 and I didn't understand like what a 20 year old was doing. Mm hmm. It's rather bizarre to me that I'm very perplexed by what most 25-year-olds are doing. <laughs> it's yeah. like, like, it wasn't there that long ago. You know, why? I don't know. Well, we have a couple of friends that are, you know, within yeah. 10 years younger, and they yeah. have enlightened me on so many terms that I didn't <laughs> even like, know. Yeah. Things that I didn't really want to know. Exactly. Either. Yeah. It's very, uh, it's interesting. Anyway, continuing on. He traveled uh, a lot for work, so it was perfect because uh, she was able to upkeep his house while he was gone. And in return, he uh, let her pay a very reasonable amount of rent each month. One day, around Christmas time, she came home after shopping and decided to wrap a few presents. She set uh, her bags on the kitchen table, walked down the hall into her room to get wrapping paper. This took all of two minutes, and upon returning to the kitchen, found every cabinet and drawer had been pulled open. At first, she laughed, thinking Clint got back home from his trip early and was playing a joke on her. She called out to him and started uh, walking around the house, but no one was there. She walked back to the front door and saw only her car was parked there. She shrugged it off, closed all the cabinets and drawers, and continued to wrap presents. When she finished, she took them to the living room and set them up under the tree. She did this for about ten minutes and again came back to find each drawer and cabinet open. This time, she got scared and thought maybe someone had broken into the house while she was shopping and were uh, hiding there messing with her. She grabbed her purse, darted out the front door to her car, locked it once inside, and called the police immediately. They came and searched every square inch of the house. All the doors were still locked except for the front one that she had ran out of. Not only that, but they had uh, jingle bells tied to knobs so they would have been able to hear had someone come in while she was wrapping presents. She called Clint to tell him the story and he didn't uh, at all sound surprised. He told her, yeah, sometimes it happens, but usually I just ignore it and it stops. She thought he sounded insane until the police came back over to talk to her. They told her they found nothing and checked every place someone could hide, including the attic and basement. She kept saying she didn't understand until one of the policemen firmly looked at her and said, I don't know how to tell you this, but do you believe in ghosts? She said she felt the color drain out of her face at that point and asked them to come into the house with her to pack a bag for the evening because she was too scared to go back in alone. She spent the night with a friend and didn't return until Clint got back from his trip. She had planned to wait to get her own place until she saved up more money, but not wanting to live at that house any longer, she called her dad and asked for a loan. A week later, she had her own apartment, and to this day, won't go back to his house. Hope you all enjoyed my story. I have others to write in and share, and we'll do so another time. Thanks. Love the show. Elise. I think I would have done the same thing. I'm not sure if I didn't have to stay there that I would have. Has this happened in Wichita? Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Very interesting. Yeah, I think uh, 
I know it's hard to say because it's not the super intrusive haunting. It's just I think it's a matter of your tolerance level of what you would be able to tolerate. Yeah. I mean, it is pretty damn creepy. And if you're alone in a house in a town like Wichita that has been known for some interesting folks, non-ghostly. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, that uh, tend to prey on women and such and, uh, you, know, are, you know, of the serial killer variety. Um, anything that's paranormal, uh, you know, or just out of the ordinary, I think could kind of set you on edge. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Something about being alone, I think, would really bother me. Yeah, I mean, it's unnerving just being alone by without a, a paranormal yeah. thing going on. Just by yourself, it, it can be just kind of like, yeah, unsettling. Is You're never just completely at at peace. At least I'm not when I'm just by myself. I'm always kind of like, yeah, what's that? And this, you know, that's right. just me. I'm kind of, my brain goes everywhere. But, <clears throat> but then to, to add into the mix something that you can't explain... You know, your mind would go everywhere from the paranormal to other things, too, I would think. Yes. So, interesting story. Thank you for sharing it with us. Of course, if you have a real ghost story, we'd love to hear from you. 855-853-4802 is our phone number. You can also, of course, write in on our website at realghoststoriesonline.com. Brandon writes in, two years ago, when my daughter was four years old, we had temporarily moved into an old farmhouse while our home was being built. Seemed like a cozy house and nothing ever seemed out of the ordinary. It's funny, we have so many stories that start like this. <laughs> We're building a house in a plot of land and there was an old rickety farmhouse. We decided to live there while it was being built. Nothing good ever comes of this. No. Let's hear what happens. There were two bedrooms and a half bath upstairs and the rest of the rooms were on the first floor. I and my wife slept in the first room at the top of the stairs. The next room was the half bath and my daughter's room was at the end of the hall. One night while I was sleeping, I was awoken by the sensation of cold hands on my arm. Since I usually sleep on my right side, uh, that put my back towards the door. I partially opened my eyes and looked back and saw my little girl. I said, Maddie, it's not time to get up. Go back to your room and or get into bed with us. Normally, she'll just climb in bed next to mom, so I didn't think anything of it and fell back asleep. A few nights later, I was awoken again with a cold hand on my arm and one on my neck, assuming it was her, kind of turned my head back and said, Maddie, it's not time to get up. Go back to your room. I watched her turn and walk out the door and head towards the stairs and not her room. I immediately jumped out of bed and went after her. I made it to the doorway of my room and started shouting her name and asking her where she was going. After a few seconds, I turned on the light and shouted for my wife to get up. As I turned, I looked back. I noticed that my daughter was in my bed lying next to my wife. At this point, they were both awake and looking at me like I was crazy. My wife asked me, What the hell are you doing? I replied with, I don't know. I must have had a bad dream. Turned out, the light went back to sleep. The next morning, I told my wife what had happened that night and about the similar experience a few nights before that. While I was at work, she spoke with some people and did a little research on the internet and found out that in 1976, a five-year-old girl was killed in one of the barns on the property that had caught fire. We were unable to find a picture of the girl, so I can't be sure if that's what I saw or if it really was just a bad dream. I never experienced anything like those two nights again. We could sometimes hear my daughter's electronic toys making noise when nobody was in the room. But we never felt threatened or... 
When it came time to pack our things and move into the new home, we decided to leave a few toys behind, just in case there was a little girl still living there. Thanks for reading my story. Love the show. Look forward to it every day. Keep up the great work. So, do you get it now? Uh huh. <laughs> I'm betting that is the same little girl that probably died tragically there. And it, it sounds like she seemed pretty harmless. She was just probably going through her normal routine. Maybe she went and woke her daddy up too or went and visited and was kind of comforted by the fact that there were people back in the house or confused yeah, by that, that fact. Um, but uh, very uh, interesting. How would you handle that? What if, what if you were in that wife's situation? And this happened to me. And I, uh, in the middle of the night, I woke up and I said, there was a little girl that just <laughs> walked into our room and then turned and walked down the hall. Well, I'd be like, well, are you sure it's not one of the two in the basement? Well, and we know it, and we know it's not one of the two in the basement. We can confirm that it's not one of the two in the basement. That sounds horrible to say the two girls in the basement. <laughs> that's where they're... That's it's they, a half basement. They have a dungeon. No, <laughs> they have very nice bedrooms down yeah. there. But no, well, the thing is, it would not happen that way to us because... I would be so out of it. You would try and wake me up for a good half hour. <laughs> That's true. And by then, you're just exasperated. You're like, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, that, that's good. Okay, let's talk about it on the show. Yeah. <laughs> and I'd have no recollection of anything no. we said. You told me what last night? Yeah, there was a ghost. A little girl came into our room, uh, sang a little song and dance, and uh, left. It was amazing. It was really freaky. You missed the whole thing. Mm. Yeah, I'm just going to sleep through that one. It's probably better off. Yeah. How would you deal with that? It, it, what if it was you that saw it? What if you were the one who experienced it, and you're the one who had to relay it to me? What would the aftermath of that situation be? I'm try to calmly tell you what I experienced and tell you how I felt about it, if I felt like it truly was a little girl or if I felt like it wasn't. Mm-hmm. I think that's a big part of it for me to know whether or not it seemed to have good intentions or sure. or not. If it was like this, good in, you know, good intentions or or just you know, very you know, middle of the road, you can't tell good or bad, it's just there. I would just tell you. Would you would you feel comfortable letting it just continue on? Would you do anything about it? I might give it a little more time to see if anything else happens. Yeah. If it's just a little girl that wants to crawl in bed, I'm not going to let her crawl in bed. But if mm -hmm. that's all she does, I may just, you know, get to where I ignore it. Or I may ask it to not do that again. Okay. I have to put my mommy foot down with the ghost girl. <laughs> and I would say, no, I'm not going to do that. I know. Exactly. Exactly how that would work. Very interesting. I wonder if a ghost child would have kind of the mentality of a, a real child where a, a real child would be like that sometimes, you know? No, I'm not going to do that. Would a ghost child be defiant? Uh, more defiant than if you were talking to an adult ghost. You know how people like sometimes reason with adult ghosts like, hey, you can hang out here. Just please don't freak me out. Don't, don't make yourself known to me and we'll be just fine. Mm -hmm. Would a ghost child be harder to have that conversation with just because it's a, it's a child, 
You know, I mean, it's more difficult to have that conversation with a living child to get them to do something you want them to do. I would think whatever kind of child it was in life, it would probably carry some of those traits over in death. Yeah, I would think so. So if it was a stubborn little redhead, then Mm -hmm. yeah, that's going to be a big issue if it's a ghost. (laughs) No, I'm not going to do that. Uh, I guess. I'm not going to talk about it. That's my favorite. (laughs) You're too... You can barely talk as it is. Actually, you talk a lot. just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Uh, 855-853-4802 is our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online. It's funny. She'll make sense when she wants to, it seems. Yeah. And then when she doesn't want to sound crazy, she'll just sound crazy. Letty writes in, Hi, Jenny and Tony. My story is actually what happened to one of my cousins. Our family's always experienced weird happenings and paranormal activity. As long as I can remember, this particular event happened in my grandparents' home in Pullman, Michigan. The majority of our family have seen or heard really creepy stuff there. But moving on, my grandparents' basement goes down a steep stairway. And at the end, there's a room. To the right, there's a washer, and the furnace is about two feet behind the washer. My cousin was washing in the basement, and she said she saw something out of the corner of her eye by the furnace. But she dismissed it and kept on doing what she was doing. Then she heard a cousin of ours say, Hey, cuz, turned around and asked him, When did you guys get here? Because he lives in Florida, and sometimes he and his family would come to Michigan to visit. He said, We just got here. After he said that, she turned around to finish putting her clothes in the washer. When she turned back to talk to my cousin, he was gone. She didn't hear him go up the stairs or anything. At that point, she got a very odd feeling. So she hurriedly went upstairs. When she was halfway up the stairs, she heard my cousin say loudly, Hey! In that split second, she saw him. She said he looked weird. He was holding on to the bottom of the rails, crouched like as if he was about to start running up the stairs. Then and there, she had an instinct to run up the rest of the way and slam the door behind her. She said she heard something slam into the door real hard. When she got upstairs, she was hysterical and asked my grandfather if my cousin was there from Florida. He said no. My grandfather said they were all in Florida. Whatever or whoever that was was not our cousin. A lot more stories. I'm not a great storyteller, so bear, bear with me. Love the show and please keep up the great work. Okay, for whatever reason, I don't know why. I'm not feeling like this is a doppelganger. I'm feeling like this is just a bad entity that's pretending to be something familiar. Yeah, that's kind of the feeling I'm getting on that, too. Because it could easily be a doppelganger story, but it just, to me, gives off a bad vibe. Well, it's interesting. I would love to hear, I know she said it's her cousin's story. Um, it'd be interesting to hear directly from the cousin where she said there was something not quite right about him. Yeah. You know, you can't quite put your finger on it. And that's commonly what we hear with folks who are seeing an entity that uh, is is looking like someone that they know. Right. Something familiar. And they're, they're not quite able to put their finger on it. But there's something off about it and and sometimes people are able to pinpoint it where one eye is the wrong color an ear is the wrong direction a foot is the wrong way or there's an extra finger there's something odd about these things when they're mimicking a human being yeah so i i'd love to 
I, I mean, maybe she was never able to exactly pinpoint what it was, but that's something that your gut would tell you when you just glance over at something. If you glance at someone and you notice, hey, they have 12 fingers, you know, maybe you're not immediately going to notice that. Um, uh, or if I looked at you and all of a sudden, hey, your eyes are two different colors and I've known you forever and your eyes are not two different colors. But just the quick glance at someone, something's not, you look different. You know, it takes me a good sometimes half hour to go, oh, your hair's different, you know, (laughs) just because that's, I'm a guy, you know, and that's how we are. But when you just glance at someone, you can notice something's odd, but it may take a little while to pinpoint that. And that's often what we hear with the uh, stories of something dark uh, trying to essentially lure you in. Yeah. I'm going to go with probably that being the case on that story. So thank you uh, for that. If you have more of those stories, we'd love to hear them. 855-853-4802 is our phone number. Uh, Adriana writes in, Hi, guys. I wrote in a story this past summer. A story about how, when I was taking care of my grandmother, I heard shuffling footsteps that I believe belonged to my long-past grandfather. Finally, I got the chance to write in again with more stories for you. My stories this time are stories that have been passed down from my aunt and grandmother from their childhood and youth in uh, Managua, Nicaragua. Did wow. I say it right? 20 points for that. I'm just racking them up, going super speed today. Before coming to the United States, uh, they are a few of them, and hopefully you guys uh, all uh, and all listeners uh, will enjoy them. The first story is an experience that my grandmother had when she was a young teenager in the 1940s. She and one of her older sisters were walking back home very late at night from a gathering with friends. When out of nowhere, they hear the sound that every person that lives in the Borio neighborhood there, uh, they're from dreads. They, the sound of wooden heels from a cart hitting the concrete and the dragging chains. Before I continue, here's some background. Around the barrio, it's a known fact that you do not wander the streets past midnight because if you do, there's a great chance you would run into or hear La Quierta Nagua. Good? Close enough? Can you beat that? La Quierta Nagua. Damn it. I was on that streak. You were close. Know what that music is? No. Mario dying. <laughs> okay. Okay, continuing on. Uh, this is a wooden cart that is driven by a hooded skeletal figure. Ah. Uh, and whoever saw this cart would be doomed to die. Most that did see it died right on the spot from fright. Sounds not like your average late night taco cart now, does it? Not exactly. As the sound of the cart grew louder, my grandma and her sister walked faster. And when the sound sounded like it was on their tails, they ran into a sprint towards their house a few blocks away. When they reached their door and banged and banged, calling out for their mother, they were ushered in, and instead of being comforted, they were scolded. Their mother had warned them to be home and told them to be wary of the cart. The next paranormal experience is experienced by not only my aunt and grandmother, but a lot of other relatives, such as my mother and other aunts, that vouch this was something that truly occurred. About 30 years ago or so, the uh, matriarch in one of the families that lived in a neighboring home from my family's uh, in the uh, borough passed away, leaving her sons behind. The mother was very close to her sons. 
and everyone in the barrio knew that the woman, the woman very well, my family included. About one week after her passing at exactly 6 p.m. as the sun was setting, an apparition of the woman would be seen walking from her home all the way down the street, and she would disappear. The first time it happened, not many people witnessed it because that was around dinner time, and most families would be indoors. But when word got around that this was happening every day at the same time, skeptics would gather to watch it happen. And it did every evening. The woman would walk just uh, by everyone and not say a word or look at anyone. The sons refused to see for themselves. The occurrence went on for about a month after her passing, and no one could ever explain it, but it left the uh, barrio in fear. The third and final story is an experience that my aunt had when she was about 15. Back then, in Nicaragua, Nicaragua, most houses were built without bathrooms inside the actual homes. Instead, a bathroom shed was in the backyard that you would share with your next-door neighbor. My aunt is uh, polio, so she did not learn to walk until very late in life, so at the age of 15, she was still crawling. One afternoon, my entire family was gathered on the porch having a family reunion, and my aunt got the urge to use a bathroom. Waving off offers from her siblings to help her to the bathroom, she crawled her way to the backyard to use the bathroom. The sight that waited for her haunts her to this very day. She could only see a woman with long, wet black hair sitting with her back to my aunt. The woman was drenched. My aunt was frozen. It couldn't be the neighbors because they weren't home at the time. Before my aunt could tentatively call out to her, the woman turns around and she is pale, deathly pale, with dark eyes and a gaping mouth. My aunt lets out a scream she did not recognize and crawls so fast back to the porch that she tore skin. Everyone was asking her what was wrong, and when she told them, their faces grew gloomy. My grandma refused to say anything much about it, but only told her to forget about it. None of her siblings would share either. Till this day, my aunt has no idea what it was about or who the woman was. These are all my stories for today. I hope it wasn't too long and that you enjoyed them. I still have plenty to share. We'll write in some more soon. Take care. All three of those were interesting for different reasons, but the one that I think got to me the most was the woman walking down the street every day at the same time, be it a residual energy, but to be that um, reliable to where a crowd, a crowd can gather to watch that happen, that's just really kind of striking to me. It makes me wonder why that was such a strong repeat. Is it just me? Is is it off of me to say that that seems like a very haunted country? I don't think so. I think, you know... I think we get a lot of stories, you know, on and off from there, and they're usually pretty good. and, And they're very... It's like a common acceptance that the paranormal exists, and yeah. like this, people gathering on the streets to watch the ghost lady. And I don't know what why that is. I don't yeah. know what the um, primary belief system is there, or what the I, I don't I don't know enough about history. I'm sure I, I looked something up. I know more, but um, you, you know, was it war torn for a long, long period of time where there would have been a lot of deaths? Uh, in these places where people are living. And I apologize if I don't know your specific history of your country. Um, That's just my own ignorance. Um, But I'm wondering, you know, why is 
there's so much that goes on in, in some places like that. I don't know. You know, and where it's not necessarily, you know, ghosts of soldiers walking around, but these are normal, mm-hmm. seemingly normal everyday people haunting right. uh, very commonplace uh, well, like with the Philippines, we hear a mm-hmm. ton of stories out of the Philippines. Yeah. We know they have had a brutal history. Sure. Just, you know, forever. And so to me, it's not as surprising. I don't know as much about Nicaragua or Guatemala mm-hmm. or some of those areas sure. that we get other stories out of. I, I don't know all the history there. And that's something we should look into. Yeah, it'd just be nice to know more of the cultural background as far as, you know, what is the belief system there? And and maybe our writer can write back in and let us know the background as to, you know, just the country's open, seemingly acceptance yeah. of this topic. Because it seems to be much more accepted there mm-hmm. as a norm and as a reality than it is here in the States. Right. And in the States, there's a general... There's an extreme interest in the topic, obviously, um, but there's, I would say, less of a acceptance of it being real. It seems in a lot of cases it's more so of an entertainment platform than it is a way of life. Yeah. You know what I I'm agree. saying? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's just, it's very interesting. I wonder if that will ever change in this country. You know, I think we won't be around to see it, but I wonder if two, three hundred years down the road, when more of us are dead and around to haunt the place and be putting poltergeists, if it'll just be, yep, this is uh, just kind of how it works. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm being silly, but I'm being real at the same time about sure. that. So. No, no. 855-853-4802 is our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online. Lauren writes in, Hi, Tony and Jenny. I recently came across your show, and to say the least, I've been binge listening ever since. Makes my daily commute much more bearable. Plus, I can always scare my boyfriend by telling him stories I've heard, which is always fun. My story takes place in the late 90s at a bed and breakfast in Mississippi. First, here's some background information on the inn and what happened there. The house was once the home of a former politician during the Civil War era. The family that lived there had a set of twin girls as well as a live-in maid. One day, as the story goes, the politician was holding a private meeting in the house along with many other well-to-do men. During the meeting, someone noticed a maid was eavesdropping on their conversation. As a punishment, the homeowner decided to cut off one of the maid's ears. That sounds uh, acceptable. That's... <laughs> Yeah. yeah, that's what you do today, isn't it? You know, <laughs> it's so gross. God, obviously holding on to her anger, the maid wanted to do something to get back at the homeowner. Oh, I wonder why. When the twins' birthday came around, the maid decided to put a small amount of uh, oleander oil in their birthday cake to make the girl sick. Oh, God. Well, she overestimated how much oil she used, and the girls died from poisoning. <laughs> wow. This is screwed up. It was eventually <laughs> found out what the maid had done, and she was hanged on the property. And by the way, I found out hanged is the correct terminology. Uh, cut, because we talked about that the other day. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it sounds kind of odd, but it is correct. That is the correct vernacular of that term. We had somebody write in that's actually, I think, maybe the next story. Okay. Just, t- okay. just a tidbit explaining. Okay. Cut to 1998. And the Ghostbusters show. 
<laughs> my family and I were traveling to Mississippi to visit some of my dad's family. My parents decided that we would stay the night at the inn to get a break from the rest of our family. My parents and my sister are all skeptics of anything paranormal, which makes what happened to us that much more unbearable. My sister, who is uh, 11 years older than me, and I were staying in a bedroom that overlooked a small alleyway with a courtyard right behind it. That night, she and I were getting ready for bed when we heard what sounded like children laughing. As the eight-year-old I was, I was really excited that there might be other kids my age staying at the bed and breakfast as well. My sister, on the other hand, was totally creeped out. We opened up the balcony doors and stepped outside to see if we could see anyone else. What we saw is an image I don't think I will ever forget. There was still at the sound of young girls laughing, and while we could not see anyone, we saw what looked like a small ball being passed back and forth between two people. However, there was no one there. This ball was floating back and forth in the courtyard and then suddenly fell to the ground and the laughter stopped. We ran to our parents' room to tell them what had happened. I knew they believed us because my sister, who was 19 at the time, is not one to believe in ghosts or anything of the sort. The next morning at breakfast, we were sitting at a large round table with my sister and I sitting at opposite sides from each other. While we were telling the innkeepers what happened the night before, we both got the feeling of someone grabbing onto our thighs extremely hard. My sister and I looked at each other the exact same time with our eyes as big as saucers. We looked to see if it was our parents, but they were both too far away from us to have been able to reach both our legs. I don't know what to take from this, but deep down, I believe, may have been the disgruntled maid trying to make her presence known. Thanks for reading the story. Sorry if it ran a bit too long. Hope to hear it on the show. Lauren. See, she thought that it was the maid grabbing both her and her sister's thigh. I almost think it was the twins. Because they were sitting on opposite sides of the table, almost like the twins were playing under the table and grabbed their thighs. But I don't think I'd be in a hurry to run out and join them playing ball. (laughs) That was probably innocent enough. Poor kids. Just, that's strange. Wow. Just the extreme, you know, we think, you know, it's amazing. Can you imagine if, uh, if like headline news and Nancy Grace existed in uh, that day? Oh my God. Or just half of the crazy shit that went on back then. Right. You know, there was a lot of really extreme, very violent, very vile, um, just dark ways of dealing with people. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, cutting the maid's ear off. Okay, let's do that. For revenge, the maid's going to poison the children. You know, and this sort of stuff happened. Right. On a semi-regular basis. Well, the most bizarre stories are the true ones. Yeah. You can't make this shit up. So I absolutely believe that is exactly the way it happened, because who's going to sit around and dream that up? You it's know? just so disturbing. I mean, of course, there are horrible things that happen you know, at this day and age, too. But... Uh, I think sometimes we lose perspective and and sometimes, I mean, this is no way to downplay the horrible things that we hear about in the news every day, but I think sometimes we think that sometimes some of those problems are just of our time. No, there's always been horrible people. Yeah. And they've always done horrible things. You know, it's just, I think sometimes we don't, we, we look at the past in kind of this, you know, 
picturesque, you know, oh, it was such a simpler time and people mm-hmm. were so much night. No, there's some vile, horrible individuals out there oh, yeah. that did shit like this. And it was probably fairly common and unreported. Oh, yeah. Well, who are they going to report it to? Exactly. There's no news media you're going to call up or tweet it out to. And, you know, it's, uh, God, <laughs> just end up in a museum 100 years later. It's a, it's a nice bed and breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's what I, I wonder about, some of the horrible shit that happens today. Because back then, so they have this story surrounding this house, this bed and breakfast, with these horrible things that have happened there. And now it's this quaint little inn. Uh-huh. You know, and people go there, probably chocolate-covered strawberries and cookies. And it's just like this nice little, you know, romanticized thing of the past. And here's this fun little story of the horrible things that happened here. You know... A hundred years from now, are we going to have, you know, little bed and breakfasts or, you know, made out of horrible settings that things happened at as people romanticize our past? You know, I'm not, there's so many horrible, tragic events I could throw out there, but I'm not going to because it'd be very, it would would sound tasteless, but I'm not going to, Please don't. but what I'm, 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 but you get my point though, you know, there's, are we going to romanticize tragedy a hundred years from now where things we look at as just being absolutely horrific because they are but because history will kind of have this slightly different perspective on it is there going to be a bed and breakfast at some of these locations you know whether it be a house a school or this or that that's as far as i'll go with that but you know what i mean of horrible things happening at places i do know what you mean and for whatever reason, I don't think that's going to be the case because I think some of the things that are happening now are so publicly known. So much more documented. Yeah. That some, you're saying some okay. of these things like cutting off the maid's ear, you know, that's, I'm sure, a story that was passed down through people that own the house. Sure. Or maybe the townsfolk at most. I don't yeah. think that's one of those things that. You know, in this day and age, it'd be national news. Yeah. And you got a point, though. I mean, with with the documenting of things back then, it was more so a written account that was put on a diary or a book or maybe a, maybe a local newspaper at the most. Right. And and that's the only account you have of it. Today, we have, you know, 400 videos, people outside of the home with their video cameras, everybody's personal take on it on YouTube. You know, there's there's so many more things about it that mm-hmm. I guess would make it a little more real to those folks a hundred years from now if they really wanted to look into something. There's more resources on a topic. Yeah. So I think you're right. I mean, I, I mean, I, I kind of go back to the uh, the inflatable jump jump uh, slide Titanic that we see at fairs, where it's a the inflatable Titanic slide. Mm-hmm. Horrific. Well, people have romanticized the Titanic, you know, from honestly not that far after when it sank. Sure. For one reason or another, people have always romanticized that. But that's a whole different category of tragedy than like some of the things we've seen, you know, in the last 15, 20 years. That's what I wonder, though. I mean, about, I mean, not only these small things, but the big things. Where we have, you know, there's there's ghostly occurrences and just 
just the dark things that have happened. I mean, the fact that a hundred years later we can at a fair socially have a blow up Titanic that children can climb up and slide down into the fake blue blow up water and, you know, laugh with glee a hundred years from now. There's some horrible events that have happened in our last 15 years in the United States. Some large buildings a hundred years from now. Is there going to be like a blow up version of that? That's the scary, sick part that I'm wondering. I say no, and I say no. I hope not. For this reason, because look at Pearl Harbor. There's memorials there. Sure. But they haven't. We're not a hundred years out yet, though. We are 70 years out. Sure. So I hope not. I'm going to go with we're probably not going to build a carnival type atmosphere on top of that. God, I hope not. That that's one of those sacred sites, just like Ground Zero is one of those sacred sites. People aren't going to do that. What I'm thinking is there's a level of anonymity back in you know, the Civil War era where not everybody mm. knew everybody's business or yeah. what was going on. So you can have this quaint little picturesque, mm-hmm. you know, plantation style home that's now a bed and breakfast where, yes, there was probably some horrible things that happened sure. there. Do you think it was the advent of having some of these events captured on video that changed that, that, that changes it a little bit because there's no video of the Titanic going down. Yeah. But there is video of Pearl Harbor. There are newsreels of that. It's like when that sort of stuff started happening and the actual events were caught on camera. That's what makes That's it what real. seems to have changed that's, the perspective. That's what makes it real. Sure. I mean, there are so many people who have so such deep, emotional feelings towards mm-hmm. like 9-11 yeah. that they weren't actually in person, but they witnessed that. Sure. I mean, you and I witnessed Pretty that. much everyone in this country. Exactly. Yeah. Or the, ro- on the TV, world, really. Witnessed yeah. it on TV. And yeah. granted, that's not the same as actually being there. Sure. But that is what made yeah. it real. It's a different impact than, than reading about the Titanic sinking. I suppose it would have a different emotional impact on folks than... The, I mean, because granted, there was... You know, it was almost almost 2000 people in the Titanic that died. It Mm -hmm. wasn't quite that 1500. Yeah. So, I mean, major, major tragedy, but probably a different psychological and emotional impact on the folks who were perceiving the news than, I guess, uh, a 9-11. Yes. You know, but when the movie came out Mm -hmm. and the great pains they took to make it as realistic as possible. And the way it sparked a whole level of interest that mm-hmm. to some people was almost like the eyewitness seeing it happen. Sure. It's what made it real to them. Yeah. So I think that's that's part of it is the the level of access. And I know we've ranted for sure. how many minutes on stuff. <laughs> but it's interesting. I mean, it's just we, we hear these stories and it's just the perspective is what always gets me on it. Right. So anyhow, I just wanted to talk about it. Okay. There we go. On with ghost stories now. (laughs) Now, on with the countdown. Jamie writes in, hi, this is uh, just to answer uh, to the uh, hung hanged question. Although hung sounds correct, hanged is the right way to say it. For some reason, you can only use hung for uh, uh, inanimate objects like she hung that picture. Hanged is for animate objects like the butcher hanged the meat in the freezer. 
There we go. My first year English professor ripped me a new one about this, so I have remembered the correct way to use it since then. Hope that helps, Jamie. <laughs> it was a whole letter just about that. Yeah. Jamie, thank you. Thank I you for that, taking the time. That was good. To let us know. Ralph writes in, hey guys, love what you guys do. You two are very entertaining. To give you a little backstory, my family is a farming family in North Carolina. We own more tractor and uh, 10 acres of uh, farming land. Uh, we own one tractor and uh, 10 acres of farming land. My parents are from Southeast Asia, so they farm like how they did in the old country. By hand, basically like planting a flower bed with your own two hands, except with thousands of tiny little nursery plants. You name it, and my mom and dad planted it. In the late springtime, my parents were tilling the ground with the tractor and softening it up, getting ready for the planting season. I have five siblings, but one of my brothers and I helped our parents most of the farm. I am the youngest. Anyways, while my mom was tilling the ground, she happened across a shiny object in the ground. She turned off the tractor, jumped off, and investigated what it was. She'd she'd always been curious about finding precious gems while farming. She saw that it was uh, spherical in shape, gold-colored, and had uh, thought it was something uh, special, like something that fell from the sky. She brought it home and showed everyone, and my dad was very interested. She showed me and asked me what it was. I exclaimed, it looked like gold with silver patches around a bowl-like stone, but it was shiny and it was very dense and heavy. It was the size of one of those gumballs you get at the 25-cent machine at the grocery store. On the bottom, it looked like it had scorch marks, and it may sound ridiculous, but I speculated that it had fallen from space, as I thought those scorch marks were due to the object entering the atmosphere. Ultimately... I thought it was a meteorite that had been uh, vitrified uh, and nothing more. Uh, But my parents insisted that it was something of good luck. One year, my aunt came to visit us from Wisconsin. She and most of my daughters are clairvoyant. Now, my dad, before then, had been showing off the stone to nearly everyone. One day, my aunt uh, said she saw a little boy come into the living room. Being clairvoyant, uh, she asked the boy, Who are you? Whose son are you? The boy responded, I am the mother's son. Keep in mind, they were conversating in my native tongue, Hmong. It's, um, I know, uh, I know it's uh, Hmong in case Tony butchers it. I know how to say it. Uh, Then the boy asks, can you uh, tell them to stop showing me off? I don't like the attention. Then he walked back to the door, came from and disappeared. My aunt had a talk with my dad and told him he was to put the stone away in the safe and never show it off again and that the stone was a sign of good luck. I'm not very uh, learned in the ways of our culture in terms of the spirit world and how it works, but Hmong culture is all spiritualism and shamanism, communicating with the spirit world and ancestors. From that point on, my dad never showed anyone, let alone spoke of it. Same for my mom. Now on to my experiences. I had a couple years later. My nieces were visiting from Michigan. They were five and seven years old. I have two nephews who are three and five years old. We were working on the vegetables we planted outside, preparing them for market the next day. My brother found uh, some downtime and decided to take the kids to the park and play. I didn't want to go, and I stayed home. I clearly saw my oldest nephew run back inside, walked into my room, and after a few moments came back out again to hear footsteps go up the stairs, and I looked up the stairs, and I saw a little boy going up the stairs on all fours like most kids do. I thought, huh, my brothers must not have taken him. 
So I walked into the living room and looked out into the dining room window and saw that my brother was peeling out of the driveway and onto the highway. I thought they had left my little nephew. I told my brother and sister that I saw Kyle, that Kyle must uh, not have uh, taken Timmy, my eldest nephew. About two hours later, they all came back home and I greeted them at the door. And who climbs out of the back seat? My oldest nephew, Timmy. Timmy. I thought, whoa, what the hell? I told my brothers later on that they said that what I had seen was my parents' good luck spirit and that he was harmless. Sorry the story was so long. There are a few experiences with this little boy who now inhabits our home. If you'd like me to share them, I'd be more than happy. Thanks, guys. You love the show and plan on becoming an EPPASAP. Well, thank you for that. Okay, what do you think the spherical object is? With scorch marks on one side. I kind of have to agree that I think it might have something to do with being a meteorite. Think so? Now, I don't know that it's necessarily tied into the haunting, though. The little boy apparently thinks it is. If I was a ghost little boy, I would also be very intrigued by it. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't know that it... I, I don't know that, you know, something from space brought... It sounds like a meteorite. It does, but it also doesn't sound very big. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like it's, you know... To me, the first thing I thought of was scorch marks on one side. Granted, I don't know exactly how big it is. Mm-hmm. It almost sounds like something that was shot out of a firearm. Okay. Like an old, old school, like an, like a yeah. a pellet or a, like a small cannon type? old school. Yeah. Like, you know. Sure. Reload each one, you know, kind of Gunpowder, yeah. Um, that could be. That maybe, maybe not, but... If this little boy had happened to have been shot, it would have probably been part of him. And that made me wonder if ah. that's why he said, stop showing me off. Now you're onto something. I don't know. Jenny connects the dots. He'll probably, who wrote that, Ralph? Ralph will probably write in and tell us that that's not at all the size of something that would have sure. been shot. But it just that's where my mind went with mm-hmm. it. Who knows? Where? What was the setting? What was the state for this? Do you know? I don't know. No, he said his mother or his uh, aunt was visiting from Wisconsin, but I don't recall the state where. Was it Michigan? Uh, I think they said they had some relatives in Michigan. I don't know if it was in Michigan. Can you scroll up and see? Uh, let's take a little looky here. Uh, dun, 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 dun. Did he say it at the very beginning? I thought so. It's a lot of scrolling because we make the text super large so we can read it uh, because we're old like that. Uh, North Carolina. North Carolina could be anything. There was uh, some war activity there, was there not? Just a little bit. Just a little bit? Yeah. Just a couple of times. Okay, well, that kind of fits into your theory quite well, actually. I don't know. Interesting. Uh, if you want to uh, let us know uh, what exactly the size of that was, if that could possibly be what it was, because it was. I mean, it's interesting. I mean, the the firearms of that era, nothing really like what we have today, as far as the size of the bullets. They were all shapes and sizes. Yeah. And there were some pretty big. I mean, larger than marbles. Yeah. You know, and marble size uh, that were essentially bullets. Most that, of them lead. Some had yeah. a little bit of brass, which could be the, the, the look. two-tone. Yeah. 
Very interesting. And if it was even bigger than that, there's all different types of cannon sizes as well. <laughs> there's not just like your what you picture, you know, when the reenactors do their thing, you know, giant cannonballs. There was small cannons. There was medium-sized cannons. So there's, you know, it really could have, you know, there's all sorts of things that could have been interesting. Uh, Kyle writes in, hi, guys. My name is Kyle. I'm from Langley, British Columbia, and I've been a fan of your podcast for a while, and I'd like to share a creepy experience that happened to me last night. It was Monday night. I just came home from work around 11 p.m., went straight to bed because I was extremely tired. Fell asleep fine, but around 1.15 a.m. for some reason, I woke up to the knock on my closet. When I heard that, I went under the covers. I was so scared. Then probably five minutes later, I heard my closet door open, which sounded like someone walking out of it. It's staring at me over my bed. I was so scared, I didn't look. Then about 50 seconds later, I heard someone sigh like they were disappointed or something. When I finally had the guts to look, my closet door was wide open, which, like uh, something out of a horror movie, because I shut it the night before. Thanks for reading my story. Tony, keep up with this Trailer Park Boy references. I'll give you a hash coin. Bye. Okay, so beyond just your regular closet ghost coming out in the middle of the night the thing that i liked most was that it sighed it was just like frustrated like you're not gonna come out and let me scare you i'm just gonna sigh and go back to the closet it's just a very frustrated ghost i thought that was great i suppose frustration exists in that in the ghostly community i would think so yeah i, I mean, think you'd have to get used to that sure maybe it was like a newer ghost you know just kind of getting into the uh the groove of being a ghost and thinking oh this is gonna be simple i can freak people out all the time and oh wait it's not quite as easy as we thought it was. You'd be the seriously ghost. You'd be, you'd come out and you'd sign and go, seriously? Like, seriously? I'm right here. I mean, come on. <laughs> I'm boo. Boo. I'm dead. Ah. Okay, I'm going to go hide your cat. You know? <laughs> <laughs> How did the cat get on top of the fridge? Uh, Britt writes in, I want to start out by saying I thought about changing the names of those involved, but uh, one is my wife and I'd rather not sleep on the couch for the next couple of months. So I'll just keep it as my wife. Now on with the story. A couple of nights ago, my wife and I were lying down to go to sleep. My wife experienced the phenomena of the loud bang inside your head. I get that all the time. Shortly after that, she uh, stated that uh, she felt these piercing blue eyes staring at her. Her forearm got very cold and she felt nausea come over her. Moments later, unaware of any of this, I had a muscle spasm in my legs. Like you'd have when you fall or uh, trip in your sleep. Then we heard a noise. It sounded like the house settling during high winds. But as far as I know, it was calm outside that night. The next day, my wife shared this story with a co-worker that claims to speak with the universe. And he asked the universe about our experience. He received an answer and told my wife she was visited by a spirit that did not die in our house, but roams the neighborhood for whatever reason. He's a kind spirit and just happened to visit us that very night. She was also told that what happened to me spasm was my reaction to what happened to her because we are linked very closely spiritually. Could this have been truly a paranormal experience or just all in my wife's head and compounded by her conversation with our universally in-tuned co-worker? Up to this point, we have never experienced anything that I would classify as paranormal, but we do watch the various ghost hunting shows and scary movies. So that is what makes me question if this is a true experience or not. Any input that you or your listeners might have would be greatly appreciated. Love the show and listen every day. Okay, so 
besides exploding head syndrome, which is what the sound is called. Really? There's a name for that? Yes. Oh, that's fun. I have that. You have exploding head syndrome? I do. I will hear bangs. Okay. And it's it's disturbing sometimes. Uh-huh. It's usually when I'm really, really tired. Um, but I'll think I'm hearing noises that are not there. Okay. And I just wake up going, yeah, yeah well, that was just in my head. <laughs> I, I know it, but... Yeah. Sure. I think something did happen because they both had experienced something at the same time that was unusual for them. So... You know, I don't think it was just a coincidence. I think something may have happened. Now, whether or not it was actually something that was just roaming the neighborhood and just stopped by, who really knows? But I have no reason to not think that that was accurate from what the the friend said that can speak to the universe. Well, it's one of those things when you have more than one person experiencing something at the same time that seems somewhat paranormal, and you can kind of weed out uh, it being like just a... You know, something in someone's head. Yeah. You know, if, if both are experiencing it, it, it's not a one-person deal. There's something external that's going on mm-hmm. uh, to both of them. So, very interesting story. Very interesting. If you have a real ghost story, we'd love to hear it. You write in, realghoststoriesonline.com. Of course, you can also check out our archive of shows there as well. Uh, and uh, if we have a call, we'd love to have you give us a buzz, 855-853-4802. That is our phone number to call in and share your real ghost story. If you enjoy the show, you've been listening to it maybe a couple nights a week, hey, consider supporting it and help keeping us on the air. That's how we continue going. It's five bucks a month. You become an EPP. That's an extra podcast person. You get a bonus episode every single week and access to our complete exclusive archive of EPP episodes. Now totaling 28 some of our best stories that are only going out to EPP. So you want some just great ghost stories? Uh, Become an EPP. Sign up on the website. Real Ghost Stories Online. You'll get that email with that link sent out uh, right away to you. And uh, thank you in advance for supporting the show. Until next time, for Jenny Bruski, I'm Tony Bruski. Thanks for listening to another episode of Real Ghost Stories Online. Mm-hmm.